Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey, folks, welcome back. Before we launch into the episode today, I want to talk to you about magnesium. How many of, our, of you are actually supplementing with magnesium on a daily basis? It never ceases to amaze me how this one simple supplement can have so many benefits for our health, from better sleep to improved energy, better mood, better bones. The list is huge. And the number of people that are deficient in magnesium is just as huge. 75% of people on average are deficient in magnesium. And those benefits are really just the tip of the iceberg. Magnesium is involved in over 300 chemical processes, so it's easy to become deficient. And when that happens, a lot can start to slide. On the upside, keeping your magnesium levels topped up can have a huge impact on your sleep, your energy, your digestion, your bone health, and so much more. The trick is getting access to several different forms of magnesium to address all the different needs your body has. And this is why I personally use and recommend Magnesium Breakthrough, the only organic full-spectrum magnesium that's going to deliver seven unique forms of magnesium for stress relief and better sleep all in one bottle. And it's organic too. So to get your hands on some, just go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash bionat and order now. And make sure that you use discount code BIONAT10, because not only will it save you 10% off your order, you will also get some amazing gifts with purchase. So once again, that's magbreakthrough.com forward slash BIONAT and discount code BIONAT10. So now let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. I have known Wayspall for, mm, I don't know, over a year now. And every time I run into him, I learn something new and I am struck by how caring and knowledgeable a practitioner this man is. I think you're really going to enjoy getting to know him. And what we're going to talk about today, well, it's a pretty far-ranging conversation, but it's about the health of your microbiome and how it affects your mental health, your metabolism, and your immune system. We know that there's literally no part of our body that's not affected by microbiome health. Microbiome medicine is about rebalancing and nurturing your body's biome. It's less about completely eradicating something and more about bringing things back into balance. Away Spall, who is certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, and I discuss how he combines Ayurveda, functional medicine, and peptides to create protocols that help optimize the health of the microbiome. And if you're new to the system of Ayurveda, you'll want to tune in as we deep dive into the definition of Ayurveda and what the three doshas are. Away Spall, FDNP, is a functional medicine practitioner based out of Santa Monica, California. Prior to becoming a health practitioner, Awais worked as a formulation chemist for various cannabis companies. And as a product formulator, Awais combined his knowledge of formulation chemistry with his background in Ayurvedic herbalism. Awais has inherited so much of his knowledge around Ayurveda from his grandfather, who himself was a renowned herbalist in Pakistan. Awais eventually left the formulation world to pursue his deeper calling in life as an alchemist of the healing arts. In his practice at Integrative Oasis, Awais combines the cutting-edge science of functional medicine with Ayurveda to address various gut health issues. His practice also integrates peptide medicine, bioregulators, exosomes, ozone therapy, plant medicines, I mean, the list is long, among various biohacking technologies to create optimal wellness. So, 
If you would like to connect with Oasis, you can find him on Instagram at Integrative Oasis or through his website, IntegrativeOasis.com. Now, you also know that if you get value from this episode, you're going to hopefully want to share it out with your friends and your networks and anybody else who you believe can get value from it. And if you're really inspired, if you would leave us a review, I would be massively grateful because it's those reviews that helps the podcast be seen and helps me to get more amazing guests for you guys. And if you want to connect with me, the best place to go is my website, natnidham.com. That's where you can find all my other podcast episodes. It's where you can find information on my upcoming Women's Longevity and Resilience Retreat this coming November in the Dominican Republic. It's also where you can sign up for my newsletter, so you're always in the know. It's where you can, let me see, what else can you do there? Oh, you can get information on my private membership community, On Mighty Networks, BSP Community, and of course, You can also learn a little bit, I think, about my Facebook community, which is the Optimizing Superhuman Performance Group. So that's it for me. We have one more message from one more sponsor, and then we're diving into the episode. And this one's good. So listen, Berkeley Life Nitric Oxide. Folks, if nitric oxide is not part of your daily routine, you are definitely going to want to listen to the rest of this message. Get this. Your body is home to over 60,000 miles of blood vessels. Nitric oxides help circulate blood to all those vessels through vasodilation. And while it's made naturally in the body, we produce less nitric oxide as we age, resulting in diminished blood flow and less effective circulation of critical oxygen, key nutrients, and glucose. And you don't need me to tell you that over time, this is going to lead to problems. Now, the more I learn about nitric oxide, including its impact on proper hormone balance and oxidative stress, the more I encourage my clients to join me in incorporating Berkeley Life's easy daily supplement into their daily wellness routine. Berkeley Life's high quality supplements are available on berkeleylife.com. And all you have to do is use my code NIDDBL when you register and check out for 10% off your first order. And now, without another moment's delay, let's dive into the episode. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Welcome to the podcast, Aways. It is, I'm so happy that we're doing this right now. It's, uh, I don't know, I'm just really stoked. Me too, Natalie. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, this is going to be a great conversation. It's we're touching on topics that I've not touched on in this podcast. I mean, I've done I've studied Ayurveda a little bit, which is a little bit like it's which is silly because Ayurvedic medicine being a 5,000-year-old discipline, to say that you did a little bit means you kind of know what the word means and that's about it, right? <laughs> um, but talking about, you know, I remember when I first met you and you started explaining to me about, you know, yeah, well, I spend my time like kind of in the space where Ayurveda meets functional medicine meets peptides. And I was like, whoa, we need to talk. This is super cool. So I think this is going to be a really great conversation, not to mention your focus on the microbiome on top of all that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to just let you set the stage here. What, how did you get into all this? Like, what's your, you don't have to give us your life story, but you know, a short little kind of synopsis of what brought you to this world of combining these really different disciplines and bringing them together? Yeah, absolutely. So my story starts with my grandfather in Pakistan. 
my grandfather was an herbalist and a Ayurvedic practitioner. He would disappear, go off into the mountains and come back with all these wild and crazy medicines. And I knew about this and, you know, kind of grew up with this knowledge and this, this history. And it wasn't until around seven years ago that I really started to own that. I always saw myself as a scientist since I was a little kid. I was like, I want to be a scientist. I'm a science guy. Um, and Western science, the scientific method was just my God and my idol. Mm -hmm. And then in 2017, uh, around 20, 2016, 2017, I was at a conference and this Brazilian, uh, a medicine woman just tapped me on the shoulder and out of nowhere, I didn't know who she was. She just said, you need to connect with your heritage. She's like, I could sense you since the moment you walked into this room. Interesting. And, um, yeah. It was just one of those like really bizarre encounters. She's become a good friend since then. And uh, I, I told her about my grandfather and she's like, she's like, you need to connect with this legacy she's like, talk to your dad and ask him about your grandfather's like, uh, works. And my dad actually was really surprised. And he was like, well, I, I should go back to Pakistan and get them because I don't, I don't have a lot of his writing here. So he went back and he got his writing and my grandpa spent a lot of time interested in the kidneys, the urogenital tract. And I found his writings to be so, so fascinating and interesting and that just kind of intrigued me and provoked me to go deeper into Ayurveda beyond like the the herbalism, because the herbalism is kind of what I inherited from my grandfather. But beyond that, like what is the tradition and how does how does it work? So in addition to Ayurveda, so I love Ayurveda, but I really, really like microbiome medicine. Mm -hmm. So Okay, wait, let me stop know. you there. Let me stop. You. Yes. <laughs> let's for the people who don't know, let's define what Ayurveda is and then let's move into microbiome medicine. Yes. Okay. Great okay. idea. Yes. Let's just so, let's just define Ayurveda so that people kind of have a little package waiting and then we move over to microbiome medicine. And then we're going to start to pull things together. That's perfect. Okay. Great. Okay. So Ayurveda, the word Ayus means life and Veda means science. So it's the science of how to live your life. How does Natalie Nidham live her life to her fullest potential? If I was to work with you, that's a lot more than any system of your body. That's mind, body, spirit. So I, I really like that it, it integrates that and it even thinks about your dharma, which is your purpose. Mm -hmm. And if you have some of those other pieces and your purpose is not in full alignment, it doesn't make a whole lot of, uh, your, your life will not feel complete. We will not right. be able to eradicate, uh, some of those things. So some really important concepts in Ayurveda that are going to be coming up in this talk and this conversation, one is the doshic system. Yes. And the doshic system is constitutional assessment we all have different constitutions that are blends of different elements and these doshas make up a lot of who we are and it makes up what things we're attracted to what energies we're attracted to what foods we want to eat 
how we want to live our lives. And sometimes we have to bring in other elements in order to balance ourselves. And right. imbalance spiral is what creates disease in the Ayurvedic model to begin with. So these three elements are vata, kapha, and pitta. Vata, think about thin, slender people that are airy, they're very philosophical, they're very excited um, to start new things. They, they don't care that much about food. They, um, they can eat, but it's not a huge part of their identity. They love to just think and be immersed in experiences. That's like your vata types, right? Mm -hmm. And disorders can be vata disorders like anxiety. Um, the drying out of a system in the body is very considered vata. Then you have kapha, kapha dosha. Kapha is the blending of water and earth. So kapha are people who have stronger frames. They're, they're, they're bigger. They're very warm. They're very grounding. And these are people who often do really enjoy food and their constitution kapha disorders tend to be a little bit sticky. Um, it's like the coagulation of blood and other systems in the body. So balancing kapha means to balance that that gothic energy. Mm -hmm. It's also like mm -hmm. slower digestion, right? Like people with slow digestion, like that kind of, I'm, like I said, I did one course. So I remember <laughs> some of it a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, so that's what, that's what kapha, kapha is. It's, it's slower. Vata is faster. Vata is fast gastric emptying. Vata often relates to the colon as an organ system because it's it's that it's tied to that speed mm -hmm. and then pitta is the fire element this is kind of like your natural athlete your fiery person who their body is fiery um they have a they have more endurance than the average person they can be prone to anger they love their spicy food but it's often not good for them because it just adds more heat into their life. Um, so they often need more cooling, um, gothic things. But they need some of that vata energy as well to balance out that pitta and that fire. Um, I've, I've worked with some, some athletes that are very, very, very pitta. Um, I worked with a guy once, the most intense pitta. He needed to wear a 50-pound bag of rocks when he went hiking with his friends because it would annoy him how slow people were and that's the only, <laughs> the only way to slow him down exactly. <laughs> that's hilarious a bit uh, like analogy there okay that's that's awesome okay and then and then people are usually combinations of these right or they can be like you're you rarely come across someone who's only pitta or only kapha right so exactly. people can have different but then what dominates is where you need to bring in the balance to offset. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So, so someone can be Vata Kapha, someone can be Kapha Pitta. Um, some people can be, you know, uh, some people can be tri-doshic. They can be all the doshas. Mm -hmm. And that's very, that's very rare. Uh, 
but there's like these doshik exams that are really popular these doshik tests a lot of them are very very similar deepak chopra has one that that i recommend and utilize um you know i've modified mine with some other um some metabolic typing testing which is yeah a different type of testing but co- also constitutional assessment cool all right so let's park the ayurveda for now because we can talk about ayurveda for a whole hour Let's now move, and we're going to bring it all together at the end. Now let's go over to microbiome medicine. Let's let's just talk about that, and then if you want to refer back to the to Ayurveda, you can. But I just feel like let's let's take the three pieces and then let's tie them together at the end. Yes, absolutely. So there is actually a connection point with Ayurveda and the microbiome, yeah. and Dr. Deborah Lee Smoda, who is who's a friend of mine. She, she she's an Ayurvedic practitioner and she's been studying Ayurvedic texts that talk about the microbiome as these invisible, the in, invisible life force, the invisible entities, small, tiny entities living inside of you. And when you start to read some of these ancient texts, it's really remarkable. They are describing um, the, the microbiome, the way that some microbiologists describe the microbiome just with slightly different language. So for me, it was a natural position with just my own health and healing journey, you know, seeing that so much dysfunction exists in the microbiome, seeing that we are close to, you know, one part uh, microbial and then one part human. And we constantly discover new microbial organisms, right? Mm -hmm. there's a there, Dr. Stephen Fry who runs Fry Laboratories. He's been documenting unclassified fungi. Um, there's quite a few mutualists that are being discovered that are, you know, like small parasitic like organisms. Now we have phages, right? Phages mm-hmm. have been around. What's the role of phages? So in my own health and healing journey, the microbiome was just such a critical part of that, you know, seeding it and just making it a resilient um, ecosystem. And for me, health is about resiliency. And I just see a resilient microbiome as getting us to that optimal place. Yeah. Well, that makes all the sense in the world, right? So that the balance, the bringing health to your microbiome and whatever that means I mean, it affects your everything. It affects your mental health. It affects your metabolism. It affects your immune system. There's literally no part of your body that's not affected by it. So, it you know, and having it be the seat of your health in so many ways makes all the sense in the world. And, you know, it's interesting about Ayurveda kind of mention, somehow alluding or mentioning or talking about the microbiome in the text. I mean, if we think about Ayurveda, this is a, this is a, this is an art and science form of medicine that's been around for 5,000 years. Like there's, you know, I remember even in that one course, just thinking there's so much wisdom embedded in those texts. And a big piece of, I think what happens these days is people like you who go digging into that stuff and then start to draw parallels and bring it together with you know, new stuff supposedly that people have discovered now, but that actually has kind of been around for a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. So for the microbiome medicine, so tell us a little bit about that and how you got into that and and what does that mean? Like, is it just taking a bunch of probiotics, which I know it's not. Probiotics is a big thing. You have a group of people that say everybody should be taking probiotics. And then you've got other people who are like, no, you should not take probiotics. Just eat a varied diet. You'll be fine. Right. And so- you know, I know you come from the school of Grace Lou. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> you know, it's all about nuance here in this world. So maybe let's talk a little bit about that, that kind of microbiome yes. world and where probiotics, prebiotics, all that kind of stuff fits in. Absolutely. Yes. So got to give credit where credit's due. Grace Lou, she's my mentor in this world. She's, you know, really been a pioneer in this field and just like helping us figure out systems and models for reconditioning the gut ecosystem, right? Mm -hmm. And for giving us a framework for thinking about this. And I think her gut institute model is just so on the cutting edge. And and I've really been a student of hers for years. and, And that's the foundation that I work off of. So to start off, the the most important thing to understand is weeding right? We -hmm. have like the garden. I like to think about a garden analogy, a garden that is overgrown with so many weeds, different types of grasses um, that you don't want there, right? You're trying to go grow flowers or or something like that. It's going to, it's it's not going to work to just throw a couple of seeds for some flowers. That's going to look pretty messy. Some of those weeds might actually eat those flowers, right? Um, So with that being said, I think the the first step of the equation is to appropriately weed out the bad stuff. And that's where diagnostic testing comes in and figuring out what we need to pull. Um, A lot of people have mold overgrowth. A lot of people have fungal overgrowth. Mold has just become so rampant and common um, in the gut ecosystem. Mm-hmm. so many people i think we really saw a surge after the pandemic a lot of practitioners have been talking about this and i think fungi is the same thing and i think there, there's a really important research review coming out in a few days on uh, candida and the research that's been done on candida and different species of candida and i think i think candida overgrowth fungal overgrowth is a much bigger problem than we realize so a lot of the art is learning how to eradicate and rebalance that using um, botanicals. And in some cases with uh, doctor supervision, I always work with a medical team um, with doctor supervision. uh, Pharmaceuticals are sometimes Mm -hmm. needed, especially Mm -hmm. with antifungals and mold. Yeah. So it's that, it's the so what I call microbiome medicine, really a crux of it is the art and science of weeding out these different types of pathogens, knowing what to attack first, right? If you attack small intestinal bacterial overgrowth before you've attacked a, you know, a protozoan parasite, the, the small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is going to come back. So reconditioning the gut by strategically weeding things out then it's about taking care of that soil. Then it's about sealing up that that membrane, right? I, I call that the fence around the garden. And then the, the, the other piece is to appropriately 
take taking probiotics, which are the seeds to grow the things that you want. When you do everything appropriately, it's just remarkable what people experience. Um, I've had people that want to, you know, do all kinds of things for their health. They're like, oh, give me the stem cells. Give me mm-hmm. this. Give me that. I want to get rid of my little belly fat, right? Put me on hormones. I don't care. And I have seen so many people try a million things, but they'll do an appropriate weeding, an appropriate antifungal protocol, and they'll get rid of that visceral fat that they've been trying to yeah. target. They'll finally get that dewy skin that they've been mm-hmm. trying to get. So I've just seen downstream so many things change with that reconditioning that I just see it as a as foundational. Yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. And where does um where does diet fit in for you on all this? Because it's it's a big part of feeding and weeding and seeding your microbiome, even though it's not enough, it still can make or break the success of the best protocol. Absolutely. That's a really great, great question. Nutrition in this landscape, there's a lot of orthorexia and fear around nutrition. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that have been taught to fear certain foods. So the food nutrition piece starts with the limbic system. Um, the other day, I I was seeing someone who has an anaphylactic reaction to just the idea of different types of foods. To and the idea very, of foods? Yes, of wow. certain types of food. Just that conditioning. And then what's made it worse is a lot of practitioners running food sensitivity tests that mm-hmm. may or may not be accurate with questionable mm-hmm. accuracy, telling you that, you know, that list that you had that was already really tiny of foods you can eat. <laughs> Let's make that list even smaller now. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's it's that fear conditioning. So with nutrition, you know, it's it just depends. It's knowing what things to avoid um, during that weeding protocol, right? When we're Mm -hmm. like pulling weeds, you don't want to be throwing in all kinds of fertilizer in that garden, but then it is about knowing how to saturate with prebiotics. The right prebiotics are brain enhancing their longevity enhancing. Um, but they don't work like just to give you an example, apple peel fiber, which is acromensia, uh, it proliferates acromensia. It doesn't quite work in people who who have overgrowths of and dysbi- dysbiotic terrains. It it tends to work a lot better in people who have a healthier garden. Sure. Well, that makes sense, right? I mean, if you've got a lot of pathogens or oh, and you know, I think what's also important to note about the microbiome is very often it's it's less about completely eradicating something and it's more about bringing something back into balance right? Because Mm -hmm. even some of the things that we think like candida, for example, we think of it as, you know, it's evil and it is because it's so powerful and opportunistic. And yet in a balanced Mm -hmm. microbiome, there's always going to be a little bit in there, right? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's about degrees and, and, um, and understanding that, and I think that's where drugs sometimes can be overused because the the objective is to wipe something out completely where maybe what we want to do is take a different approach. You might use the drug for a period of time, but to your point, using the herbals and the prebiotics. And and so you're, I mean, the, the garden analogy is perfect because you're really trying to balance an ecosystem in your gut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. With the candida, just a tidbit I'll add in there. Dr. Ganoon and some of the research that's been done on fungi, sometimes it's measured in percentages, what percentage of your microbiome mm. is fungal. And, you know, this, this research is evolving. We may change the percentages that we allocate to that, but it should be around like two to 6% should be fungal. And yeah. now there's a lot of research on healthy microbiology, uh, right? Like right. healthy mycological organisms. And soon we may be able to take, you know, mycological strains like healthy fungi um, along with our probiotics. We might be having mycobiotics. Interesting. Interesting. So, so this is where overkilling and knowing that balance piece is so important. Yeah. So with candida, what are you seeing in your in your in your patient load? Like are you seeing like you you were saying 2 to 6% might be a healthier range? Are you seeing people show up with like 10 or 20% or Yes, absolutely. So that is research. Uh, that's that testing is happening at the research level, so that's oh, Okay. in in human uh, in like in clients and patients mm. but what we where the overgrowths sometimes the stool panels the qpcr testing will show us candida yeah oftentimes we'll see it in the urine we'll yeah. see fungal biomarkers going up and we'll see other clues as well and then sometimes there's just very strong clues like somebody has a a, a thick coating white coating on their tongue right. right um or their sinuses are always stuffy and um what the clinic i work with the doctor there runs marcon testing and marcon is a nasal swab so and it shows you i don't necessarily use it to test for that like marcon bacteria but for fungi and it, because it shows you the fungal overgrowth that are happening in your sinuses it's just such an interesting test. And that's so common for people to have a hidden sinus um, fungal infection that yeah. as soon as it's provoked a little bit, they're like, oh, wow, I can now, this has always been here and I can feel the difference. Is, yeah. Yeah. That's so amazing. It's funny. I have a good friend who she's like, you know, she knows that every year she's going to get at minimum one and possibly two sinus infections. And, mm -hmm. you know, one of the, there is also this, that piece in Ayurveda that speaks to the weakest tissue. And that's where if you're going to get sick, that's where it's going to kind of land kind of thing. I mm -hmm. seem to recall mm -hmm. that as a concept, but I also think in her case, she probably has, you know, bugs that have built up a biofilm and that are hiding up there. And so the antibiotics reduce the load so that she can function till the next time, but they're always sitting there waiting for the next opportunity to pop. Yeah, exactly. And in Ayurveda, we talk about nasya, which is... That's what I was... I couldn't remember the name. <laughs> yeah. So nasya is the practice of cleansing the sinus and seeing mm. the sinus and organ system. And something that they'll say is the emotions are trapped in the sinuses. And it honestly feels like that when you're, you know, when you clear uh, some sinus biofilm or a bunch of mucus out from there, it feels like you got rid of a whole load yeah. of uh, like energy and, you know, you feel lighter and, and better. Uh, but yeah, the treating the sinuses, the, I think a lot of these microbes evolve and the sinuses have become a huge part of the work I do and figuring out strategies 
to properly eradicate, but also inoculate the sinus microbiome yeah. so that um, the right uh, species of uh, Lactobacillus sockeye, which is a prominent species, we can colonize in there. Nice. So what are the, what kind of testing do you like the best for, for when you're testing your clients? Like, are you doing stool testing? And I mean, you know, and it's, it's interesting because these, it's, it's, it's such a diverse and such a new field in so many ways. I think there's, there's really more diverse kind of, there's testing for different microbiomes now that's coming out and that wouldn't have been available one or two or even five years ago. So what are the tests that you seem to be going to that you're the most excited about in that space for helping people with their microbiome medicine? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the, the main one is the cornerstone is the GI map. Mm-hmm. I find that it just has the sensitivity and it correlates with the symptomology so well that people are having. And as a tool for retesting, it can be really beneficial. So that's the Diagnostic Solutions GI map. Yeah. That's a QPCR test. In addition to that, I really like microbiome labs. They have their biome FX yeah. and they have their vaginal biome test kit as well. Which is I, new, I, right? Yeah. Which is very new. Yeah. yeah. And I've been running, sometimes I'll run all three of those. So some people wonder, well, why two stool tests? Because one is whole genome sequencing and the other is Q quantitative PCR. And I find that it gives us different types of data, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I am in the field of working with people to make them feel better. Every company is going to say, just stick to our test. You don't need the other test. But I found the blending of these two tests to be super broad spectrum. The biome FX will give me a little bit more of a scope of just what is um, what that diversity looks like, that alpha, beta diversity, and to see what kind of foods may be beneficial, maybe what kind of fibers may be beneficial to that person. So mm-hmm. I love biome effects. And then their vaginal uh, test kit is super beneficial and interesting. And it lets you see um, what strains are dominant. And it's obviously a different type of biome. We don't mm-hmm. want in the vaginal biome we don't want a lot of diversity in the sinus biome either yeah um so it's just like seeing what what's happening there right and, and i've seen fungi and yeast um pop up there's a theory that uh, a lot of men have fungal hidden fungal infections in their urogenital tract we just it's just very hard to test for them you know yeah so i think the the vaginal uh, biome test kit is, has been super helpful for me. Yeah, no. And it's, it's super important. I mean, it's super important for, for health, but it's also a childbirth. It's a, it's that first inoculation that the baby gets right. So (laughs) in a, in a better world, we have a healthier microbiome to inoculate that baby with microbiome medicine is about rebalancing and, and nurturing that healthy biome. Ayurveda is herbal medicine. It, we're talking about doshas and and also rebalancing the system in many other ways. And then, and then a ways you then come across these things called peptides, and you're like, okay, now what do I do with this? So tell us about your first kind of contact with peptides and how you started to get your head around. Okay, what am I going to do with these things? <laughs> yeah. So I was. I had this shoulder injury and this 
this muscle issue when I was just, I was very young. I was 18, 19 at that time. And I was going to any and every doctor to get some answers. And this, uh, this doctor I found in LA, he just started treating me for free and just started working with me, started giving me PRP, things that were actually making a difference. And he told me that he wants to try something new on me. And he said he was working with a lot of NBA athletes um, at that time, many of whom would recover very, very rapidly. When they would get an injury during a game, they would just come back like the next game. And it was like, how could they recover that fast? So he's like, this is something I'm doing with some of those guys. And these were peptides. So he just started injecting me with peptide blends. And he knew I was really interested in medicine. And he kind of, he taught me a lot. He kind of took me under his wing in many ways and um, started teaching me. And he would give me these printouts on different types of peptides. And something he told me, he's like, and this was now 11, this was 12 years ago. About yeah, So he's there. really ahead of the curve. Yeah. He was way ahead. And he, he told me, um, and, and also just to point out this, that made the biggest difference. It, it healed my shoulder injuries. I, I was fully functioning after that. So I knew it was something remarkable. So he gave me these printouts and he would tell me that there's going to come a time when growth hormone, taking growth hormone, uh, HGH is going to be old news. And mm -hmm. people are just going to be using um, growth hormone peptides and there's going to be anti-inflammatory peptides and all these things. And he's like, just you wait, like peptides are the future. It's one of those things you can't forget <laughs> yeah. when somebody says, just you wait. Yeah. And then you wait and that thing happens, you know? Yeah. So I've been really interested in them um, for, for a long time. And, you know, working with, like I said, a medical team that can. So anytime I'm talking about the use of peptides, it's always, you know, um, within that like medical legal context. Um, so, but they are really, really remarkable. They've been tremendous for my health. Um, some of the clinics I was supporting during COVID, um, they were just so utterly remarkable. And then, you know, there was all that drama with um, thymus and alpha one, uh, mm -hmm. the immune peptide getting banned and a lot of clinicians really struggled during that time because like that was su that made such a big difference and then um so yeah i've just seen it it's such a huge part of what i do yeah so okay so let's let's back up a second and i kind of jumped ahead a little like what is it what would a microbiome medicine protocol look like i mean we kind of touched on the different pieces right we touched on the testing we touched on you know, the prebiotics, the probiotics, there's diet in there. But if you're, when you're writing someone a protocol or you're, you're walking with them through a protocol, cause I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I found that writing the 10 page protocol actually doesn't work for most people. We just kind of, you don't show them the, the journey. You just say, okay, here's where we're going today. Here's where we're going to go tomorrow. And then by the time it's over, they're like, wow, I can't believe how much I've done. And if I would have known I was going to do all that work, I never would have signed up for this. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So plus the journey evolves depending on how they respond. So, but what is your, what is like a microbiome medicine kind of protocol look like? And obviously it's going to be different for different people. 
Yeah, but that's such a great question. And, you know, like you said, obviously the journey evolves and a lot of practitioners now are getting really sensitive to getting those outcomes, getting that client patient adherence, right? That's Mm -hmm. a huge thing for me is like, I want to see people get better. I love science, but I'm not in it for the science. I'm in it to see those outcomes, see people change their lives. So guiding people appropriately, course correction is so important. It's like sailing a boat on on the sea. You know which way the winds are going to come, but you may have to change the sails from time to time, right? So the way people respond just can change a lot of things, starting with some kind of a clinical liver detoxification Mm -hmm. often is good opening up the lymphatic system opening up the pipes on both sides as i like to say is super duper important so that when we are eradicating something the systems are in place to bind those up package them and excrete them from your body so that's kind of where i start with most people some people have to stay there longer because their lymph is just clogged up right think about a chronic lyme disease uh a patient their lymphatic system is it has has been stuck in their bodies in that deep fight or flight stress so we got to slowly start opening things up then it's it often does go big to small mm-hmm. but it's just more complicated than that yeah um so big to small meaning bigger microbe first larger parasitic organisms first then we go to uh smaller uh bacteria and you know in between that fungi but it's it's also about what is opportunist right like if somebody mm-hmm. has an h pylori um, infection and they have parasites but they have gastritis symptoms their throat is burning their stomach feels like it's fiery from the h pylori we have to address the H. pylori first, then do the other stuff. But we have to work in such a way where that the H. pylori doesn't come back. You know, what Grace has taught me is it's it's rounds and phases and kind of moving through them appropriately, knowing when to pause. It's a real art form. Um, the old model of like getting a lab test and on a piece of paper, here's your protocol, bye. See you in three months. Exactly. That's that's old news now because people a can't do that, and also, it's it just you got to know how to navigate and support people with all these steps. Hey guys, guess what? We have another sponsor to thank, but this sponsor is possibly just as obsessed about longevity as you and I are. We are all about longevity on this podcast, right? Well, this sponsor is about finding the most innovative, incredible longevity compounds, supplements, and strategies that you can possibly imagine. And as a matter of fact, they market my most favorite longevity strategy and supplement, which are bioregulator peptides. The name of the company is Profound Health. Profound-health.com is their website. There, You can use discount code longevity15 off your first order. But not only do they have bioregulator peptides, which you know that I talk about all the time. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're going to have to go back and listen to episodes 42, 46, or 47 of this podcast you're going to be let in on a huge longevity secret. But on top of that, they also have amazing supplements 
all devoted to longevity and healthy aging. So definitely check out profound-health.com and make sure to use discount code longevity15 on your first order. And now let's get back to the show. But when you talk about opening the lymphatic system and getting it flowing, are you talking about it like from a mechanistic perspective, like doing rebounding and stuff? Or are you also using herbs and other compounds to to free the lymphatic system? I know I used to work with a company. Do you ever hear of Physica Energetics? No, I have not. You would love Physica Energetics. And they they kind of okay. got chased out of Canada by Health Canada a few mm. years ago. And, you know, to order from them now... It's a bit of a nightmare, <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. but it's a company that kind of blends homeopathic with Ayurvedic and a bunch of other stuff in, in nutraceuticals. Um, mm. And they always talked about their protocols would start with lymphatic drainage. And they had three different mm-hmm. lymphatic drainage homeopathics that helped different stages of lymph to clear. So I'm just curious, how do you help your patient, your clients lymph system to kind of start to free up when it's been so jammed up for so long? Yeah, that is such a good question and such a uh, unique art form opening, opening those pathways up. And it's, it's, uh, it tends to be a little bit different from person to person. I do like Quicksilver's stuff. I do love their push catch. I love the kidney care. I've seen some tremendous things with kidney care Mm -hmm. um, and certain symptoms clearing up when they start taking kidney care. And I also like some Chinese herbs. Yeah. And then I test for not to go down that rabbit hole, but something called glucuronidation Mm -hmm. is a type of detox pathway can that can be impaired. Um, in people. And if that's the case, if I'm seeing that showing up in the blood testing or the stool testing, I will put them on uh, glucuronidation support for that, for that uh, lymphatic opening. And sometimes that'll give them the right, the right like sauce to get the lymphs to open up. But then there is, I always do you know, that this is where like the Ayurvedic inspiration comes in is like, you got to do both things always. And what those two things are for people is going to be different. Some people, they, they need to move a lot more out. Their pipes are starting to get open. We do some heavy um, herbs and then we put them in the sauna mm. with red light. And then mm. we take some binders right after that, right? Some people, they need a little bit of rebounding. Some people, dry skin brushing is all they can handle and they can only dry skin brush a small part of their body and then day to day they keep they can brush more and they're like wait a second things are moving um some people they want to go for a jog um and then some people have even found that the the lymph draining between the herbs and the binders at like working out if they can work out that almost feels like it's dumping a lot of stuff out of the limb and that that's worked for a lot of people yeah well again i mean you've got the mechanical movement the mechanical action of draining and then the herbs and the and the tinctures and whatever else that's going to provide the stimulus to the body to do the to do the work as well so that's pretty Mm -hmm. interesting okay so now just being conscious of time. We're good. We're still good. We still have time. How are you now weaving peptides through your, like, how are you bringing all this together? You've kind of alluded to it already, right? Because even in your microbiome medicine, you're pulling on Ayurvedic 
herbs and and medicine and bringing that into the picture. So you're not just using probiotics, prebiotics, that kind of stuff. You're already bringing the Ayurvedic piece, bringing somebody's dosha into play. And so how does that, how does a person's dosha, for example, how's that going to impact the type of protocol you're going to put them on? Can you, is that too complicated a question or is that, can you kind of go there? Okay, that should be, uh, that should be a very reasonable question for somebody who <laughs> uses Ayurveda. So, so yeah, the, the dosha is important. And this is where Ayurveda is a portion of what I do and yeah. not all of what I do. There's many components of Ayurveda that I do not practice and I think are outdated. Um, and you know, the vision I've had, uh, you know, my grandfather's not in this world anymore, but the vision I've had is, is like, if he was here, mm-hmm. he would like science to update some things, you know, that's like what, sure. what he would want. That's yeah. what a lot of the, the Ayurvedic ancestors would want. Um, so, but when it, so with some conditions, right, like chronic Lyme, that's a, that's a very Vata type of depleting uh, disorder, so with something like that, um, you know, the appropriate nourishment tends to be really important. The example I give is someone who is so and I've worked with a lot of people. I'm in L.A. So I've gotten some, you know, like retired models that are kind of thin and they love their sauna. Tell you what they love their sauna. They love their colon hydrotherapy they love their juice cleanses and they're just like oh great so when i'm doing this protocol i think i can take it to the next level if i pair it with the juice cleanse i think i'll take it to the next level if i pair it with a soup soup cleanse or a broth cleanse and i'm like no you're already like very thin and depleted Mm -hmm. um and that would deplete your system too much you're too vata you know yeah as we work on the on the lymphatic system, I want to nourish your body. I actually want you to eat more ghee. I want you to eat more fat. Um, sometimes like some old school stuff that my grandpa used to do, like making ghee emulsions can be really, really great for someone like that. Like emulsifying some of the herbs and the botanicals in the ghee um, because it provides that nourishing property, oil massages, right? Like just anything and everything to nourish the body. And then anything you take beyond just the botanical, there's other supplements we take, right? Like fish oils, fish oil extracts, different um, different, different types of lipid extracts. Mm-hmm. They all have properties to them. They're vata, and this is Ayurvedic herbalism. So if someone's very depleted, they're very vata, their skin is dry, they're thin, they have a vata type of, you know, condition. They're anxiolytic. I'm not going to put them on a bunch of vata herbs. I'm going to tr- put them on something that's a little bit more nourishing. And um, grounding. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, so you're kind of pulling from different disciplines and and bringing it all together. So where do the peptides fit in? Because, you know, you you talked about the peptides healed your shoulder, which is super awesome. But you've moved past and, you know, we've talked a little bit about immune peptides. But now 
you know, we know that peptides can be very powerful for gut healing. They can be very powerful for, you know, sometimes putting out the fire of inflammation, which can make a mess out of anything else you're trying to do. So how do you weave peptides through your, through your, you know, your Uber protocol when you're trying to start from the microbiome up into the system? That's a great question. So the, what, what comes to my mind is if you remember like those fast and furious movies where they would have the nitrous oxide and, you know, they're racing in their cars and then they would hit that nitrous oxide and then it would just go zoom by and it would be like super fast. So doing protocols without peptides and then adding the peptides they kind of work like nitrous oxide a little bit. <laughs> it's they like the turbo jet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It speeds up the protocol. It speeds up that nourishment, right? Um, so how do to both of these disciplines intersect with peptides? Some peptides, uh, peptides have a doshic quality to them. Is something I, <laughs> I learned. So yeah, so like BPC is, you know, very it's very grounding. It's a little bit of, little bit of pitta, but it's mostly like very grounding. It's kapha. Mm-hmm. Um, VIP is a little bit, it can be a little bit reducing because it can, it can create that flush that can be a little bit reducing. Someone who's, who's got that vata expression, it's not going to be good for them. But people who are kapha orientation, kapha dominant, the VIP is fantastic for them. Interesting. Um, yeah. So just thinking about that nourishment piece, obviously, like that's a, just a portion, uh, a portion of of the framework. And you know, if somebody needs immune modulation, then they need immune modulation, which is going to be thymus and alpha one. Um, or if somebody needs that uh, ligament healing, then thymus and beta four. But yeah. I have found that that can be just an interesting kind of way to think about it uh, with the different anti-inflammatory peptides. And I've been just seeing that with some of just my community and my friends, seeing how these, like these doshic categorizations play out with people. And it's been really interesting to, to see sometimes it like line up. Yeah. Like I was going to say, like, can you almost, in a way, predict how somebody's going to respond to something based on, you know, their doshic tendencies, let's say. And then you're like, yeah, you know, like the so the average Joe might give them the TB4, but I think BPC-157 is going to hit it for this guy. You know, like, do you, are you finding that kind of thing? Exactly. Exactly. It's that intuition. That's a, that's a huge part of it, you know, and, and Ayurveda and, and Ayurvedic practice should be about enhancing your intuition. I think mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. level, um, I don't use tongue and pulse diagnosis, but I think on one level, it's it's all about the intuition and and increasing that. So uh, yes, it does. It gives you that sensibility. Like maybe this person should start off with just one, a lower dose. Maybe this person can handle more, and they would actually benefit from this this dosage point uh for for this and then some people who are you know unique kapha pitta types because they have like so much pitta in them already like or vata in them that's like reducing the semi-glutide is not going to be good 
for their weight loss goals. Um, you know, we can do something different to kind of just balance the doshas out rather than that. So it's given me a unique lens to kind of think about um, this work. Yeah, yeah, it's a very different lens than than you know. Generally speaking, you know, for something like a semaglutide or terzepatide, you see someone in front of you who, you know, they're just kind of stuck, right? They seem to be doing everything right. They can't, their bodies can't release weight for some reason. I don't think we worry too much typically about anything else other than this person needs to move weight. Let's try this peptide and see if that helps them. It's uh, Mm -hmm. definitely a bit more nuanced there. So, so, and are you using peptides also for healing the gut? that kind of thing as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like that's the turbo speed thing you were talking about, right? Yes, definitely. And it's, you know, the gut obviously impacts, you know, 70% of your immune system is in your gut, the gut associated lymphoid tissue. So supporting that ecosystem with, um, you know, BPC, if thymus and alpha one is needed, if TB4, um, uh kpv yeah. uh the, the level of health gi repair is a phenomenal blend i really yeah. people have really been benefiting from that and enjoying that yeah yeah no that is that is one of the most powerful gut healing formulas i've seen in a very long time just from mm-hmm. the peptide world but one thing you know one thing i found lately with people is you know, we, and we all fell, I fell into this trap a little bit when I first came across peptides. I was like, oh my God, BPC-157, it's amazing. It's going to heal the gut. And then you forget, you forget that, well, there's a mucus layer there that has to be restored. There's, there's, uh, there's integrity. There's other things that have to be taken care of. And so to truly heal the gut, the BPC, the lorazotide, the KPV, they're all going to do their thing. But the restoration of that whole environment is not going to happen from that from those peptides. It's going to be both the diet and like companies like Microbiome Labs that have that full GI restoration protocol that helps to rebuild the the systems around the gut that also support the the health and mm-hmm. and make it stick in a way. Exactly, and I I I'm not calling anyone in particular out, but like I said, I'm, I'm in Los Angeles and I see, I've seen some regenerative medicine practices that will have somebody walk in, give them $5,000 of peptides Mm. for two months, put them on exosomes. And that's the treatment protocol for everything. So people are spending 15, 20,000 a month. And I'm like, it's not even doing that much you're going to feel better temporarily but the candida is still there yeah the dysfunctions are still there that mucous membrane is not going to get the nourishment that it needs and you're going to feel better but then you're going to go back so might as well hit it in a more uh thorough process and then uh, you know taking the lorazotide just keeping that gut lining sealed while we are killing fungi with botanical can just be kind of like that turbo charge to get you to, you know, get you to clear more fungi in that process. Yeah. And help the results to stick really. Right. Cause to your point, like temporarily you can help someone feel better, but the results aren't going to stick if you haven't really done the full job of the, you know, from the foundation up. So mm-hmm. now, so I guess that kind of leads into the next question, which is, 
which I think is what you're driving at, is that some of the limitations and the way that people are using peptides kind of all wrong right now. And I think we both kind of hit on it in a way is just rely like almost over relying on them, thinking that they're the final answer and the silver bullet. But is there other stuff that you're seeing? Absolutely. One one thing that I think people are doing that is not good is lots and lots and lots of thymus and alpha one. There was a there was a podcast with um a Ben Greenfield podcast on uh you know I think I can't remember I want to say it was Cook who mentioned the use of higher doses of thymus and alpha one to support blood thinning properties. And I just remember lots of people were interested. They were asking about thymus and alpha one. They're like, great, I'll just take two milligrams, three milligrams a day. Um, I see people with white coated tongues, just blasting thymus and alpha one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it actually, I think that I, I love thymus and alpha one in context but just as an, as an example of, you know, bad practice, you having fungi and thrush and yeast overgrowth in your body, I think thymus and alpha one taking it for, you know, two months without doing anything else, you may be doing some, possibly some damage to the body there. Um, because now the immune system, you're modulating the immune system to handle that immune burden, which is that exactly what we want? Um, mm. You know, we want to eradicate that. I don't want to modulate necessarily um, that immune burden. I would rather address it while modulating at the same time. That's an interesting point. It's interesting because I know I know a number of doctors who used, but a very low dose. They would over the last couple of years have used TA one kind of prophylactically on a weekly basis, but not not even close to the doses you're talking about. Like quite low, maybe one and a half milligrams, maybe once or twice a week, just to kind of keep the immune system primed, but almost not allowing the immune system to just, kind of, well, not that the immune system would, but, you know, not over relying on the TA1 to do all the heavy lifting. You're still mm-hmm. allowing for a lot of other things to go on at the same time. Is Yeah, exactly. And that's a, that's a fantastic use. And I know, I know lots of, you know, practitioners that were, that were doing that. And I think that that has tended to work well. And then pairing that with some, you know, if the context was viral viruses, right? Like uh, gentle antivirals, if it's dysbiosis, gentle antimicrobials, Mm -hmm. um, then they can handle the antimicrobials when somebody has, you know, 250 micrograms to 500 micrograms of thymus and alpha one on board. And doesn't even need to be every day. It can just be weak for that to take place. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, yeah, I'm all in on that. I I think that low dose kind of, kind of intermittent use. And again, I think it goes to what we see a lot with many different things when it comes to the body is that it respond tends to respond better to pulses than it does to chronic inputs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, you know, your, your peptide community and the data you've been gathering on yourself and um, the self-experimentation and just this very short couple of years we've had in seeing how peptides work, just pulsing in practice. One is pulsing for biohacking and optimization, but pulsing even in the protocols that I'm doing is so, so important because 
you know, there is a dose dependent curve that tends to die down and then you're bringing that curve back up when you're pulsing. And, you know, we even pulse antimicrobials. We go a week off and from time to time, and that can be super important. And, you know, there's people who look at that, who who say, well, then the bugs are going to come back. It's not quite that simple, especially when you're doing longer antimicrobial regimens. And there's other things we can do to prevent the bugs from coming back that week. But there is just such good feedback in the body to pulsing. Yeah. Well, even I remember, oh God, I think I interviewed someone and I don't know if it was an interview or if it was one of my teachers at school talking about when you're going after candida to, to, to switch up your antifungals not to use the same one chronically for like three months in a row. Like she would kind of cycle through different antifungals to go after the candida so that it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't do that thing that organisms do, which is develop a defense system. And then you end up with kind of like a super candida kind of thing where when you're varying up your, your attacks, you're going at it different ways. And it's actually more effective that way than to just go at it with, I don't know, garlic extract or whatever it is that you're using. Exactly. Yes. It's it the that is the art of microbiome medicine is knowing how to stack, how to pulse, and then how to switch. So yeah. even if we're talking about one thing that is like candida overgrowth, something like horopito extract, black seed oil, mm-hmm. mono acrylic acid. All of these are undecyclic acid. All of these are important antifungals. And just knowing how to combine them, um, you know, you can't take all of them at once and you can't just take one either. So that's the art form of knowing that. And in some people, it needs to be something very gentle, like grape seed extract, um, along with another gentle antimicrobial until their body can handle that. Uh, that clearing out and then we can go stronger and then they feel really, really good. I've just seen people feel so phenomenal once this candida stuff is balanced out. Yeah. Well, I think it's a little bit what you said earlier about the the chronic sinus issues that when they clear out, it's only when they clear out that people realize how miserable they were before, but they just gotten so used to feeling that way that they didn't know they were, you know, you, you see people like they don't know how crappy they feel until they feel better. And then they look back and go, oh, my God, <laughs> I just thought that was my norm. Yeah. They don't know how much space you're supposed to have in your nose. A yeah. lot of people have forgotten that. Like, this is a space that, you know, you're not supposed to be feel like you're breathing through a straw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not a storage space that's supposed to be full, actually. It's, it's right. a backup exactly. system. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. As we start to wind ourselves down here a little bit, let's let's bring it all together. I mean, like from a longevity purpose, I think, you know, I think there's not enough attention probably brought to the whole low the the whole the whole load we've been talking about here of parasites and microbiome, microbial phages, funguses. You know, people, I mean, I see a lot of people who are like, okay, let's do that optimization protocol so that I can live longer and be healthier, which is amazing. But I think that, can we talk, let, could you talk a little bit about how the cost from a longevity and a health plan's perspective of not clearing this load 
before you kind of start the optimization or, you know, how it's going to possibly drag you down without you even realizing it. Yeah, that's such a great point. It's it's hidden. That's the big, big thing about this stuff is it's it's hidden. It's very, very hard to test for some of these things. I can put people on a few rounds of antiparasitics, sometimes a pharmaceutical, but mostly botanicals, and watch literally have them send me pictures of worms that are in mm. their poop. Nice. And um I I heard you say nice. <laughs> what a fun job you have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you know, um, I'm just immune to it. I can be eating salad or noodles and somebody sends me that it just just doesn't phase me. Um and just taking a look at that and I'm like, that is so interesting. And it's like undeniably a worm. And some people go crazy. They're like, you know, they're like, hey, my stool test said I had no worm, but this came out of me and like I will, do you have a lab I can send this to? Um, and like to get this like sequence. Yeah. And analyze. I'm like, you know, and, and it's, it's really interesting to see people like eradicate worms. And it's also just like, like you said, we forget what we're supposed to feel like. Like when I did my first round of ant, um, anti-parasitic herbs and my anti-parasitic program, clearing out my gut I saw more worms than I could possibly imagine come out of me. And I'm a thin guy. And I I was like, where could they be? But what changed is my belly became completely flat. And I thought that Mm. extra space was like fat or something like that, that sticking out, but it just became like these. If you've ever met a waist, fat is not a word that comes to mind. I'm just. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm a, I'm a thin, I'm a thin, tall, thin build. Um, and so it, it just like the shape of my belly changed and the way I felt changed the way I felt after eating rice and carbs changed and the way my brain feels just felt so different. My cognitive function felt different. I didn't get that blood sugar spike after eating, you know, carbs after working out anymore. And it just was so remarkable to see that. And I've just seen one thing I'm seeing in men over and over again right now, and I would love for there to be a study on this so we can explore this further, is we eradicate the candida in a really appropriate manner and their testosterone goes up so much that their endocrinologist starts doubting them and starts saying, you sure you didn't, haven't been taking testosterone? You know, Interesting. And and that's happened not once or twice, but, but many times. And my mentor, Dr. Grace Lou, she's talked about those cases as well. And then the visceral fat in these same guys, just like starting to disappear, right? Like a lot of people work out they eat right. They're like, why doesn't my body like respond the way that I would like it to? I'm doing everything right. Clearing up the microbiome and giving you that really beautiful, diverse garden can sometimes uh, take you there. And I really hope there's on the research side of things, we can validate some of these things and just explore them in the future. Yeah, no, that's such a great point. And I I think you said it earlier as well. Like when you start doing this work that's so far upstream, it's amazing to see what else falls into place. And all Mm -hmm. these other things people thought they had to work on 
that suddenly seem to just resolve on their own. And I mean, there might be another sticking point down the road, but it's different than what you might've gone at earlier if you hadn't done that work first. So that's really, that's kind of magical, right? I think it's the Mm -hmm. kind of thing that kind of, I know I've spoken to you enough about this to know this is, this is what gets you kind of charged up, like watching people just kind of get better and feel better and, and seeing the results that you achieve. Absolutely. And people not even remembering what that good felt like for so many years. They're like, oh, I thought this was good. They're like, I didn't know I can wake up feeling this good and I can eat all these different foods, right? Like not live in this like bubble where I have to, I can't eat more than this many carbs. I can't eat this thing. I can't eat that thing. Something that I really believe is resiliency is so important. I don't like gluten. I personally don't eat gluten, but I don't think that we should avoid gluten like it's the plague either Mm. right that's a Mm -hmm. I like to go out from time to time and just have like a a one bread roll you know yeah my body is resilient you know um and I think testing that resiliency and I've seen taking some people there who were so utterly sensitive um to any and all foods to a point where they're like hey I just had a pizza the other day and I feel perfectly fine. Not yeah. going to do it all the time, but it's just amazing that I can have pizza. Yeah. No, I think, you know, there's another guy who does this kind of work. And I did, I ran through his program. I actually took his course. His name is Joel Green. And mm-hmm. I went from someone who couldn't tolerate dairy to someone who can now have a whey protein shake anytime she wants. I can eat beans. I can eat rice. I can eat all these foods that I thought, oh, I can't tolerate those. I'll blow up like a balloon. And it was really by rebuilding that diversity in the microbiome, readdressing and feeding the right species. And they kind of do the work for you. So I like, I'm all over that. And I'm all over building that resilience back into the system and giving, you may not choose to eat a thing anyway, but you have, you could if you needed to, or if you wanted to. And that's, that's a big distinction. It takes the orthorexia away. (laughs) Yeah, and, and one thing I'll say is like I, I love Joel Green and I use his his products and his systems and I've I've met his um his uh, his head uh, his lead scientist um, at a conference and so I use a lot of Joel Green's products and things and they've been they are a part of that reinoculation phase yeah, for me. For sure. All right, Awais. Well, we could keep talking for a long time, but I think we're coming up on time. So any parting words of wisdom you'd like to leave with the audience and then tell people where to find you? I think just the the last thing I'll tell people is something I've learned from Ayurveda is like sometimes you're feeling that fieriness or you're feeling like angry or upset at yourself or just feeling bad and just know it's not you. It's the pitta. It's the fire. fire. So just be gentle on yourself. And, you know, a lot of us came to the world of longevity and biohacking because of our health challenges. And some of us are still in them. So I think that's just something so important, the mind, body, spirit piece to reconnect the spirit with the body is just be gentle on yourself. Be easy as you're doing all this work. And then you said, where can people find me? Mm-hmm. So this is called Integrative Oasis. Um, 
And you can find me on Instagram. I have my website, integrativeoasis.com. But, you know, I'm very accessible. Feel free to reach out to me on uh, Instagram. That's just Integrative Oasis with nothing afterwards. And um, yeah, you can find me there. Amazing. Well, and we'll put everything in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for your time today, Oasis. It's always such a pleasure to chat with you. And I look forward to seeing you at the next conference. Absolutely, Natalie. Yes, thank you as well. This is amazing. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, mattnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.